Again, Merry Christmas to all of you. I want to talk about three, three points, and as I talk about these three points, they'll sort of transition into each other. Uh, the first one I want to talk about creation history, the second one I want to talk about human history, and then lastly, how, how both those first histories belong to our history. Before anything was created, God existed. God always was, always is, always will be. At the end of the glory be, we, we say that as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever, or as ever shall be, world without end. God's always been. At some point, God began to create things. If we, if we study science and, and how, you know, what we see in the physical world, science, of course, can only study the physical world, can't study, you know, that which is unseen. But what we see from scientists, we, we see that our universe is about 13.8 billion years old. Scientists think that because of a particular theory called the, the Big Bang Theory. That's not the real name, but that's what it's short to, it's what we're very familiar by, it's the Big Bang Theory. It was a Catholic priest, a Belgian Roman Catholic priest, who came up with that theory. Um, Father George Joseph um, Lemaitre. He was good friends with Edwin Hubble, as well as Albert Stein. Albert Stein did not believe um, Father, um, Father um, Lemaitre at first, but over time began to realize that that's the best theory that's out there. How, how this theory really is, it, it, it sees that the universe in which we live is expanding. Like, everything's expanding, you know, almost like not really falling apart, but it, kind of. But, but with that being said, they, scientists know that if we back up in time, it all ends up in the same place. Which is why they, scientists said that there had to be this big bang of some sort, this explosion that caused everything to expand. Just like, you know, if you stuck your head out the, the window or, you know, went out the front door and the, the baseball flies by, you immediately know that that baseball comes from someplace. So you back up in time and you see where the baseball came. That's, that's similar to what scientists say about the Big Bang. Over time, um, certain people who, who, um, who hate God I think that's maybe being blunt, but it's, it's true for many, who go against God. The, the Greek word is atheist. That's what we often know them by. Those that go against God, a number of them say that the Big Bang happens by itself, that there's really no cause. But anyone with a little bit of intelligence, a little bit of humility, knows that the Big Bang cannot happen by itself. There's got to be a Big Bang, a Big Bang, or the Big Bang's the Big Bang. There's got to be a cause that makes the explosion. None of us were there at the time, but according to theory, it's, it's supposed to be, has happened that way. As time went on, billions of years later, our Earth began to be formed, and then life on this Earth began to be formed, and then um, lastly, God created man and woman. Adam and Eve, he created them perfect. There's two stories of creation. The first story, Genesis chapter 1, uh, it's the story of 
faced the world in, in six days, seventh day he rests. We're very familiar with that. But if you look at the story closely, you see that it's not a, a history story, or not a history book like we write history today. The sun's not created till the third or fourth day, which means that days for God, of course, are very different, even within the story. Days aren't, you know, for, for, for God, time doesn't exist. For us, time exists. God's outside of time. But he creates man and woman. He creates them perfect. He creates them, the story says, in this beautiful garden. The second story, Genesis chapter 2, sort of contradicts the first story. But if you read it literally, yeah, okay, it contradicts each other. But if you read it more poetically, like, like the Hebrews would, you see the truth behind the two. The first story, Adam and Eve were the last thing created. They're created very good. Second story, Adam's created first. Then the plants and the animals are created. And then lastly, Eve is created. Again, they're both very good. The story emphasizes that it's God who created us. We didn't just come about by chance. But God intentionally created us, and He created us very good. The story says He created them in a, in a paradise, in a garden, a beautiful place. Meaning life was perfect. But of course God did not create man and woman like a robot or a puppet that they just do whatever He, you know, motions them to do. But they're created with free will, meaning that they're, they are their own entity. And that they can choose to do things. Not by emotion, like, like animals, you know, and if you keep feeding the dog or feeding the cats at the front door, that's where the, the animals are going to hang out. They just follow their emotions. But Adam and Eve are created, yes, with emotion, but with intelligence, with free will. They can choose God or reject Him. We know that the story that in the end they rejected him. And in rejecting God, they reject life, and in rejecting life, they leave the perfect place, and leaving the perfect place, all of us, their children, are born outside the perfect place. That perfect place, in one sense, is closed off, the gates of paradise are closed off, until, here I get to my second point, In human history, Adam and Eve sinned, but it didn't end that way. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned, God made a promise. He said that the woman is going to have a seed, and that seed is going to crush the serpent's head. Another translation says the woman's going to have a seed, and the woman's going to crush the serpent's head, the devil's head. Both are true. The Blessed Mother crushes the head of Satan just like Jesus does. But she's able to do it only because of Jesus, not apart from Jesus. And then Christmas comes. This homily is going to be long, by the way, guys, so be attentive. <laughs> then Christmas comes. The Christmas story, we're very familiar with it. We're so familiar with it that we kind of put it at the back of our mind. We don't think much about it. And then we have to come up with new stuff, you know, to make Christmas exciting. 
why Santa Claus is around? It's because someone wanted to make Christmas more exciting than it actually was. And of course, it becomes less exciting than what it is. What is the Christmas story? The Christmas story is that the God who created everything, the God who knows all the galaxies within our universe, how many stars there are in the sky, how many, how many worlds, planets are going around each sun, how many moons are going around each planet, and he knows the number of hairs on your head, the number of cells in your body. He knows your blood type. He knows your fingerprint. The God who knows everything, who created man and woman perfect, who saw that man and woman rejected him, but not just the first man and woman, all men and women. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That God, the creator of the sun, the moon, the stars, the universe, becomes a little baby in the crib becomes a little baby in the manger, becomes a little baby in a trough. But he didn't really become a baby there. He became a baby in the whole process nine months leading up to it. But he's born in a trough. We kind of have forgotten what, what that means. Many of you guys have, have been on a farm. Growing up on a farm, many of you are still on a farm. Have you ever really contemplated what the trough is? First of all, it's, it's a place where animal food is. You put oats there, you put hay there, whatever it might be. And then the, the animals come up and they, as they're eating, they slurp, they spit all over the trough, they lick the bottom up. And then, particularly cows will do this, they'll turn around drop stuff from their other end into the trough. It's kind of gross when you think about it. It's messy. And that's the place where our God is born. That's the place where our God is born. I grew up in high school. I, I, I milked cows, um, just milking for ourselves, for our family. Being in a family of, of ten children, we had to, of course, get a cow because it was a lot cheaper than buying a lot of milk. And I can remember as I would come to tie the cow up, I would smell the cow's breath. Cows don't brush their teeth. <laughs> they have bad breath. Jesus is born in a barn. He's born in a barn that smells, a barn that's gross, likely mice are running around. If you really think about it, it's unpleasant. Some of us would have nightmares if, if we had to live in a barn. But God enters into that to show you and I that the mess of the barn is only a glimpse of the mess of yours and my life. If you think back to, to, to yesterday, to this last year, to all the past years, there's almost a, a nostalgia within our minds that we long for things of the past. We long for the good old days, as the phrase says. You think back to when you were a child, how much you treasured Christmas, 
You know, how you were so excited to get those gifts. Then as we grow older, things start to happen in our life. We make mistakes. Other people make mistakes that affect our mistakes and affect us. And life begins to look ugly. And we begin to doubt that God truly cares about us. We begin to doubt that God really loves us. We begin to doubt that God wants us to be in that perfect place, heaven. And we begin to believe the lie that we're not worth much. We begin to believe the lie that no one cares about me. And then out of this insecurity, we lash out at others, we hurt others. It's messy. But not just sin. You know, the sins that we've committed, the sin of Adam and Eve, death has entered this world. When you think of this past you know, year, some of you have lost loved ones. Whether it's been, you know, a spouse, a parent, uh, you know, hopefully not a child, but that happens. Friends, relatives. Life's difficult. Life is messy. And our God, the God who knows the temperature of the center of the sun, becomes one of us. And you and I have a Savior. The second lie that we can begin to tell ourselves is that Christmas is something of the past. We're so we tell lies, you know, that we're not that significant to God. We are truly. God becomes one of us. But then we begin to think, well, that's something of the past. Christmas happened 2019 years ago. You know, that's something that we kind of commemorate and have a little you know, Christmas party here and there to celebrate the birthday of Jesus. But folks, Christmas happens at every Mass. A different sort of Christmas. The, the, the very phrase, Christ Mass. So we get the word Christmas. Because Christ comes to us at Mass. What do I mean? Jesus knew that he would die. He knew that he would rise from the dead, that he would ascend to heaven. So the night before he died, he gave us a gift. He gave us a present. And he, he likely thought this through. Well, I know he thought it through very well. And he said, what's the greatest gift that I could give humanity? And he said, the greatest gift that I could give humanity is life. The greatest gift that I could give humanity is the life of the world. And what is the life of the world? It's me, Jesus says. So Jesus gives us himself. The night before he died, he took bread, gave thanks, gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it. For this is what? This is my body. And he took the cup, he blessed, gave to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood. God wants to give us life, and the greatest life he could give us is himself. This is crazy, guys. When you think about this, that the bread and wine, which is on the Korean table, right back there now, is going to be laid up here upon the altar, is going to become the God who created us. That's crazy. But when you 
you really think about the Christmas story, we believe that God becomes a little baby. That's crazy, too. When you look at the, the, the manger scene, and you see the, the child there, does that look like God? No. Looks like a baby. Looks like a human being. When you and I walk down this aisle, and the priest says, the body of Christ will say, Amen. Jesus wants to come into our mess. Jesus wants to come into your mess. He wants to come into your marriage, into your family. Because he loves you. God's not a clockmaker that makes the clock, winds it up, and lets it go. God is interested in your life. He's interested in mine. That's why he became a baby. That's why he becomes the Holy Eucharist. The Eucharist is the greatest gift on the face of the earth today. That's why we celebrate Christ's Mass. That's why we celebrate Christmas. So at this Mass, brothers and sisters, let us bring our our messiness to Jesus. Don't be afraid. He's bigger than all of us. Bring it to Jesus. And allow him to be born in our mess like he was born in the mess of the stable.